welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. I believe that passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. You've probably had almond butter before, but I bet you didn't know that it could be better. Jordan Gaddy, the founder of, you guessed it, Better Almond Butter, realized it could actually be a whole lot better. By only using truly raw Spanish almonds and a process called sprouting, he created an almond butter that is more nutritious, more natural, and more delicious. In other words, better. Go to betteralmondbutter.com for more info. So where are you listening to this from? I'm super curious to know, like on my YouTube videos, there's crazy analytics telling me a lot about my audience. And with the podcast, I'm not really sure. So let me know. At Keep It Quirky Podcast on Instagram, at QKady on Twitter. I'm based in London. And let me tell you something that I've noticed more and more of here, which is a lot of excitement around veganism. Chefs are doing really cool things with plants. And Yeah, okay, the Sunday roast isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But there is a general acknowledgement of the fact that the amount of meat we eat is not good for the environment. So depending on where you live, probably, it's more or less prominent. But that's where the trend is going, even in the most unlikely of places, like Poland. Meet my friend Magdalena. We call her Magda. We met up at an outdoor cafe in busy hipster East London. She's the CEO of the creative music agency and artist management company Chimes, and she splits her time between London and Warsaw, Poland. So Magda, you live in Warsaw, Poland, at least part-time. Yes, that's right. What is the status of veganism in Warsaw? So ironically, because everybody thinks probably of like sausages, kielbasa, when they think of Poland, right? So aka sausage, aka meat fest, pork, like a pork party, literally. Because actually, um, there's a huge vegan scene in Warsaw right now, which is only just like illustrative and symptomatic of the fact that the food scene there in general is really cool. Yeah, let's get Warsaw on the map as a dope food city. Put it on the bucket list. Happy Cow rated Poland, the Warsaw specifically, the number three vegan city in the world. What? Last year. What was one and two? Uh, Los Angeles and... I can't remember. Berlin is the other. It was rated the number one vegan city in the world. Again, kind of ironic, right? You think of currywurst, but times are changing. There's just tons of vegan food in Warsaw. There's vegan sushi, which is amazing. I thought it would be like boring, but it's amazingly delicious. I asked Magda about her own meat choices in her life. Beginning of April, I pledged to cut down on my meat intake for environmental reasons, I think that the world urgently needs to, people need to urgently take responsibility for the environment, and that's a way that we can. Um, plus, I don't need as much meat in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I totally agree. I really try and cut back on it. It's like, if there's anything we can do, we may as well do something. Yes, it's delicious. I don't need it every day. Well, that's it, right? Like, my aim is twice a week only, twi- mm-hmm. two meals a week, really. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for talking about veganism with me on this afternoon in London, Magda. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I thought that conversation would be a good lead up to today's interview with Venetia Falconer is because, as you'll discover, Venetia is vegan, and it doesn't define who she is. But I have to say that that part of our conversation, the conversation you're about to hear, has got me thinking more and more 
more about it. And we talk a lot about the food journey and how everyone's food journey is different and how one stop on the path informs the next stop and so on. There's a lot of food for thought here. Venetia is the host of the popular podcast Talking Taste Buds, in which she chats about food with some very well-known people in the food scene. She's also a presenter and producer, has a YouTube channel, and who knows what she'll come up with next. What you need to know about Venetia is that she loves food and has made a career of talking about that love with others. And just in case you have any wee ones around you, Venetia does drop the F-bomb in this interview, and I did not bleep it because it was used in a spirited moment, and I think it best conveys her emotion on what we were talking about. Venetia Falconer, welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. You've just made me the most unbelievably delicious lunch. My stomach is so happy. We had, some, we, well, you would be able to explain it better, but we had some amazing like sliced aubergine curry with mushrooms, my favorite things, and lots of coriander and rice and some delicious, delicious charred cauliflower and broccoli, which were like, oh my God, just, you know, when they get their kind of charred, they're kind of like crispy. Yeah, so that. good. So thank you so much. <laughs> Much. It's such a joy. I'm so glad you liked it. I mean, the timing is pretty great because it is a gorgeous day here in London. So we got to sit outside and enjoy it. And this was just a wonderful excuse for me too to like enjoy the day with you. Yeah. So thank you so much. I'm going to like jump back to the conversation we were just having right before the podcast officially began, which was your podcast, Talking Taste Buds, yeah. which I'm a huge fan fan of. You have so many wonderful, successful, and really interesting people on your podcast. It is clear with a lot of them, you are a big fan of them. <laughs> like, you know all about them and you get, it's so adorable. You will sometimes like have little fangirl moments. Slash potentially quite annoying. <laughs> no, really, I think it's incredibly endearing. How do you choose the people who are on Talking Taste Buds? Initially, it was about uh, reaching out to content contacts that I already had. So my first guest uh, was a guy called Joel Domit. He's a really successful stand-up comedian and presenter in the UK. And I met him through MTV, which is where I was kind of my first proper, proper job in telly. So initially it was about reaching out to my contacts. And then it kind of went from there, like from using my contacts and proving that I could have some big guests on the podcast. I then started reaching out to more uh, people that I didn't know. And remarkably most people have said yes to being on it uh, and it's just been the most overwhelmingly amazing experience but I'm not surprised because you know if people listen to your episodes they're wonderful they're so great so of course they say yes to being a part of it so on your website and other platforms of yours you describe yourself as a TV presenter yeah. and you do you do a lot in your producer at this point okay. the podcast I mean it's become a thing you just wrap season two. It's a thing. And, and you've got some really big names on there. So how does that adjust yeah. like how you title yourself? Yeah, it's a really weird one because I feel like how I uh, title myself in terms of uh, a career is, is constantly changing. It's not as black and white as a TV presenter and a producer anymore because it's, it's stretching out a lot further than that and kind of quicker than I anticipated. So um, yeah, initially I started as a producer behind the camera uh, at MTV and loved it and had no intentions really of being in front of the camera. That just kind of happened. Um, my friend put me forward for a screen test at 4Music, which is 
uh, at Channel 4's music channel here in the UK. And I was like, these opportunities don't happen, so I'm going to go for it. So I went for it and I got it. And from there, I started working with Tastemade. And obviously, they're an online digital platform. And then about a year ago, I was like, okay, digital is clearly where it's at. I need to start putting more effort into Instagram. And I started my YouTube channel. And then I just was listening to loads of podcasts and I had an idea for one. So I started it. I, I, des- I still describe myself as a TV presenter and a producer. I, I, I am a presenter and I am a producer, but not strictly for TV. I present lots of digital hashtag content. Sorry, I can't <laughs> say the word content seriously. I have to use the word hashtag before. <laughs> and uh, I obviously have my podcast now and my YouTube channel as well. So I get, I, I hate saying this. I guess I'm a content creator yes. <laughs> but I think that's probably more what I I'm just as much a content creator as I am a presenter and a producer but yeah it's a weird having to define yourself is quite a weird one I do lots of different things and uh, I really enjoy doing lots of different things this is so bizarre by the way being on the other side of the microphone I'm like what is this <laughs> talking taste buds is the name of your podcast and food is obviously the, a lot of the content you do with Tastemade. Yeah. We've talked about that because we both work with Tastemade yeah. a lot, which is really fun. When did food become a thing a for thing. you? Yeah. <laughs> so I really wasn't uh, bothered by food when I was younger. I just wanted chicken nuggets, chips and peas and crisps and chocolate. I loved junk food. And then I did the classic thing. Uh, I went to an all girls school and I went on the, this, I keep talking about this. I went on the pill much too young uh, and much to my mum's disappointment. The school just like put me on the pill. Really? Yeah, I went, we all did it. We all went to the school nurse and we said, oh, I've got irregular periods. Please, can I go on the pill? And they would just put us on it, which is crazy. So I went on the pill much earlier than I should. And uh, I I think it was probably a result of just, you know, getting a bit older and hormones and stuff. But I put on weight for the first time. Of course, what does a girl who's at an all-girls school who puts on weight for the first time do when she puts on weight? She freaks out and she thinks, I'm going to go on a diet. So I started dieting, which was probably the biggest mistake I've made of my life. And I tried all of the fatty diets. I did the Special K diet. I did like ridiculous things. And special K, like you would eat the cereal Have Special K? What is so this? the Special K diet is when you eat two bowls of cereal, as in Special K cereal, and then like one normal meal. Okay. Yeah, just like not good. And lots of low calorie diet foods. <laughs> is that like a marketing ploy come, that was come up by whoever owns Special K? Yeah, it was like a big thing. It's yeah. crazy to me now. Imagine if that was a thing now. That would yeah. be uproar. Yeah. Uh, now it's all skinny detox powders so yeah I started I guess I started dieting and as a result of that developed a disordered relationship with food I was restricting and just yeah it it makes me really sad thinking back to it and I didn't just didn't know what I was doing I was like what the food is so confusing and should I just not be eating anything at all should I be cutting everything out and I actually the main reason why I started talking taste buds is because I think back to 16 year old me and I wanted to create something which 16 year old me could have listened to and thought oh I can have a great relationship with food and food is something to be celebrated and oh it's okay not to be scared of food so that's really why I started it but As a result of my disordered relationship with food and my journey with food, I had to learn to fall back in love with it. And so now it's turned into just like the greatest part of my life. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of the fact that it's turned into a positive. I'm like, yay, go 16 year old Venetia. We, we did this. We got through it. Hell yeah, that is something to be proud of for sure. So describe your relationship to food now. You love it. I you do. get excited about it. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I love, I love food and I love, um, I love just, I think I show people love through food. 
that's kind of, it's kind of my way to communicate with people. I love cooking for people. I love going out for meals with people. I love sharing food. I love talking about food. Um, it's also my favorite way to learn about a culture. If I'm traveling, I feel like it's the easiest way to understand a culture. I guess this is a good point to start talking about going vegan because that's um, obviously, I'm um, being vegan is uh, a big part of my it's my diet. So I went vegan, but it doesn't define you. I wouldn't Thank say you. that's a big thing for me. Actually, uh, I think it's awesome. I think there are some amazing vegans out there, and it is kind of their whole thing and all of their whole being. Um, but for me, it's how I eat, and it's something I'm really passionate about. But it doesn't define the whole me, the entire me. So I went vegan um, about two and a half years ago as a result of a plant based diet which is the food aspect of it, it has altered every single decision I make in every other aspect of my life. I know that probably sounds quite intense, but it started as I'm going to switch up my diet because I'm a big fan of animals and I think the environment and the planet is pretty great. But as a result of making those decisions, I'm now conscious of every decision I make. So when I buy something, whether that's a piece of clothing, whether that's a drink, uh, anything I try and think about the bigger picture and that's all because of switching to a plant-based diet my vegan experiences was definitely the starting point uh, but now I see veganism for me as like a overall conscious decision making thing Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense and a lot of the people that you interview on your podcast a lot of them are vegan or vegetarian but not all of them in fact you have interviewed people with like really varying and sometimes kind of extreme food choices and this is something that i so appreciate is that you're able to share their experiences and what they believe in but also like add to it your own prism of I don't want to say normalcy because that I don't think there is such thing as normal but what I'm thinking of the interview you did with the guy who eats one meal a day Max Lowry yeah yeah the intermittent faster yeah yeah yeah. the intermittent faster and which to me is like so extreme it's so out there that I would just I, I almost didn't even listen to that episode honestly it was like so out there for me but I started listening to it and the reason I continued to listen to it was because of the way you talked with him in a way that I could relate to so in other words and saying like this is a little extreme, but not disregarding it. Instead saying there are parts of this that I can learn from, that we can all learn from. And I just so appreciated how you, I guess, opened my mind to that kind of thing and what I can learn from it. And would you say that that's a goal of yours with veganism as well to like just kind of open people's mind to it? Or do you really say, hey, if you don't want to be vegan, totally fine. Firstly, thank you. Uh, We've picked up on something that I think I'm really pleased you picked up on that. That's really lovely. And the way you said it was heaven. So thank you. So I understand that we're all on on a journey and I know how long my food journey has been. And it's it's going to be, this is a journey that's not going to end anytime soon. Hopefully if I'm still alive, as long as I'm alive, I will have a journey with food. First of all, I should say that veganism isn't necessarily going to suit everyone. I'm really fortunate. I have money to spend on food. I'm, you know, I'm, this is, I'm like, I, I don't spend much on food at all, but I have some money to spend on food and I know how to cook and I have an education. So already I'm privileged. Some people don't have access to those things. Some people don't have enough money to even cook anything that is not 
a 50p ready meal from their local supermarket. And also they don't necessarily have the education and the time to learn how to make something. And I'm not in a position to comment on that. But I am a big believer that I do have the capacity to influence people to potentially go to a more plant-focused diet. But my way of doing that isn't to be preachy and isn't to force that on people. It's just about sharing my experience, which has been an overwhelmingly positive one. We all know we need to eat more plants. And if we could all go more be more plant-based, then the planet would thank us for that. But I'm I'm not here to preach and I think people who do can do it really well and they have an amazing impact. I followed some people who are really preachy and some people who aren't and they both influence me equally, I think. But I personally, I'm not here here to preach. I just, I want to share my overwhelmingly positive experience that a plant-based diet has given me. I love the concept of a food journey because it's so true. We don't have to feel stuck in one way um, for better or for worse. So, hey, if you just went through a breakup and you're slamming cartons of Ben and Jerry's, that's not you forever. Right. That is, this is just a little blip on the food journey. 100%. Radar. Yeah. Um, so I love that, that kind of like don't put yourself in a box. But you've mentioned culture and how, and I know you love to travel and I know that culture is important to you. The connections that happen over the table. How does being vegan affect that? Because that is the almost one reason that I have not gone vegan is because other cultures, that's like not a thing. And I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to offend. How do you deal with that? Or what are your experiences? When I was first thinking about going vegan, I did it over a period of five months. So I really, really took my time with it. And I remember someone saying to me at the time, I wasn't quite there, but I was almost on my, I was pretty much there. And he said, yeah, it's fine to eat vegan, like when you're by yourself. But if you go around to a friend's for dinner, like that's not okay. And initially I was like, yeah, 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 you're right. But I'm so passionate about animals and the planet. It overruled everything else. So yes, I have to be, I'm a little bit antisocial sometimes if I'm in a really nice restaurant and I'm out with my family and they're all having, you know, amazing fish and all this incredible stuff. But I just, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I've, I've been non-vegan for most of my life and I've had some amazing food experiences and eaten some incredible produce and been fortunate to travel to new places with amazing food cultures where I've tried everything. And I don't have that anymore, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything because it's more important to me I don't know how to really express it in words but I I just I it's not it's not worth it's not worth the taste sensation for me anymore and maybe that's I mean I'm a foodie that sounds kind of depressing and actually now to be honest with you I think vegan food is in such a place vegan chefs are doing some incredible things so I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything uh because you've got to be so much more inventive with vegan food and as a result it's kind of the most exciting thing that's out there. I went to Vegan Nights um, a few weeks ago, which is a a vegan uh, kind of, it's kind of like a festival just in the evening uh, in East London. And oh my gosh, the food there was just unbelievable. Because you've, People are doing really cool, exciting things because they have to, because yeah. it's now competitive. And everyone wants to go and try that like new bleeding burger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people are being really, really inventive. And, and as a result, I feel like I feel like I'm on like the precipice of the most exciting scene that there is at the moment. So as a result, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I am grateful for the food experiences that I've had as a non-vegan, but I, I, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. And for me, it's worth being a little bit antisocial or having an elderly relative not understand what I'm about for what I feel is um, important for 
the well-being of our planet. And to your point, there is a lot of creativity and innovation and excitement around it. And that is very cool. I mean, Venetia, I really respect everything that you just said so much. You know, when you're like, oh, like I'm calling myself a foodie, but I'm saying no to these delicious flavor. To me, and I am not vegan, but I see you as a foodie with priorities, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just like highly respect. The lunch you just made us is a really good example of why I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Going vegan taught me that so much of the food we experience is based on texture and seasoning. You can replace texture with plant-based alternatives and seasoning is seasoning. So I think, and learning that has really, really helped me. And it's helped me realize that I don't feel like I'm, I'm really missing out on anything. I mean, that's not to say that. I've always said that if I'm ever by the sea and I can see fish being caught in front of me, I've always said, I will have some and I will try it. But that hasn't happened and it's almost been three years. (laughs) So I'm not ruling that out completely, but uh, your taste buds change. Mm -hmm. They really, really do. I was eggs for breakfast, fish for lunch, chicken for dinner. And I genuinely, I had two eggs every single day without fail. And I genuinely didn't know what I was going to do without them in my life. I was so into yolk porn. I even had raw eggs in my smoothies in the morning. I was obsessed. But then your taste buds change and, and I don't even think about them anymore. Thanks for explaining all of that. But this whole episode is not going to be just about you being vegan because as we talked about, I'm that so is sorry. not all you. But I also feel like I <laughs> I also feel like I'm the classic vegan who like, how do you know a vegan's vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. And I threw it in within like the first five minutes. Please, I was, uh, we are talking about food here. This is what brought us together. So of course I, I, I would have brought it up in the next 60 seconds if you had not. <laughs> um, but, but. There is so much more to you, as we had talked about. I am very intrigued that you used to be a big party girl. You were this, like, London party girl as a teenager. Tell me more about that, how you grew into it and out of it. It's interesting you brought this up because it kind of coincides with everything that was happening with food. So when my disordered relationship with food happened, I was... I got really into partying. So I, uh, I would go to London every single weekend mostly when I was six to fifth from about the age of 15 to 18 I was in London every single weekend to party and on my holidays from school that I was out like Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday Saturday a lot I clubbed a lot yeah that's a lot it was a lot and I was young and I was drinking a lot (laughs) and you know what it was really fun. I couldn't believe my luck. I was in really flashy nightclubs with people who were a lot older than me and it all seemed so exciting. There was great music and lots of dancing and socializing and meeting people that I would have never met before and it was really fun. I I loved it. But my God, 16 years old in a club on a Friday night till 3am. My poor mother was like, what is going on with my with my daughter? I was fortunate. I was very involved with it, but I managed to avoid cocaine, <laughs> which was a big thing in those kind of clubs. Um, but I'm really grateful for that time. I'm so grateful for that time. I was really sociable and I met loads of people mm-hmm. and... I think I got good with people and I got good at lying about my age (laughs) because I shouldn't have been in those nightclubs. And I met a couple of people who I remain friends with today, which is a wonder because it was quite a, uh, it was a slightly um, false, phony scene. Another reason why I'm really grateful for it is because 
I got my partying over and done with. Unlike, when I, by the time I got to university, aged 19, I drank for Freshers Week and then I was like, cool, I'm done. I just really got over it. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And as a result of that, I think I got into well-being a lot earlier than I would have done. Hmm. But don't get me wrong. Like, I'm also, I, I then started, I remember I, I then started going to Ibiza and learning more about house and techno music, which is one of my greatest passions. And nothing beats festivals and nightclubs where you can dance the night away to that kind of music which it's like it's really soul lifting it's kind of like a a tribal experience i can't it just sets my soul on fire but what's wonderful now is i can go and listen to that and i can go to festivals and parties and not feel like i feel like i don't need anything to have a great time give me a shot of espresso and i'm good to go i want to give you the context of how i'm listening to this i mean i'm i'm was raised in a rural town in the midwest of america (laughs) like there were no clubs within a three hour drive of where i lived like the cows mooing were were more of a party scene another (laughs) of my greatest passions cows so i would have loved to have experienced that with you one of your good friends from that time period is Madeline Shaw, who is like another incredibly successful well-rounded way more successful than me I should say way more successful <laughs> no, but but you know well-rounded and with it individual your friends from that I, Madeline's the only one that I know of but I'm assuming other people I guess she's I mean she's the I left with a best friend I left that scene with a best friend from her and I'm still friends with some of the people I met back then but I with her I truly left with a best friend and she has massively influenced me. You know, she went to Sydney, who were ahead of us in terms of health, came back, was walking around in activewear and talking about green juice. And I was like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> so she massively influenced me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I guess, again, I wouldn't have known her if it wasn't for this partying scene that I got involved with. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? No. Do you? I mean, should I? I mean, I do consider myself an entrepreneur and I would say that you should as well because you are a brand, first of all. You hustle, but you don't have like an employer who's like paying you a weekly salary. Well, I wish I did. Yeah. I miss those days. Yeah, right? I, I would call you an entrepreneur. I love that you say that. I definitely don't see myself that way, but then I've only just admitted that I'm potentially a content creator. So maybe it will just take me a few more months to... <laughs> To, to catch up I mean not yet but I doing my podcast has made me realise that I need to just if I have an idea for something I need to crack on mm. for some reason I've been talking I've been giving people career advice recently which is very bizarre indeed <laughs> but one of the things I always say is if you have an idea with something or if you want to start something start now because the only thing you'll regret is not doing it sooner and that's my only regret I wanted to start a YouTube channel for about five years before I did why was I waiting mm-hmm. why was I waiting I'm so pleased I eventually started it but I wish I'd started sooner because you're gonna have like a hundred thousand more well, subscribers <laughs> I don't know about that but I just know how much I've learned I started it about a year ago and I know how much I've learned in that year and how much yeah I've just learned loads mm-hmm. and I'm more confident and I'm better in front of the camera and I've developed skills that positively impact the rest of my life I'm really trying to say yes to everything and trying to be creative and if I have an idea for something I'm gonna run with it and I'm not gonna think oh no but like I won't be as good as that person who's already doing it fuck that there's only one you right yes and that's enough I love this okay so when you get that idea when you get that inspiration go for it Mm -hmm. what about the opposite when when you're stuck when you're like where is 
is that inspiration that strikes sometimes like lightning? What do you do when you're stuck? This is something I talk about quite a lot with my fellow hashtag content creators. <laughs> so uh, I've learned to go quite easy on myself. I, if I'm having one of those days where I'm really stuck for inspiration, I will exercise as kind of my go-to. So I'll make sure that I go and get some oxygen to my system, either by a yoga class or a session at my favorite gym, Equilibrium. And I'll read some books or do some research on the internet and I won't guilt trip myself over that. And I will arrange to spend the day working with a fellow content creator slash friend. I'm mm-hmm. really fortunate because I have some best friends who do similar things to what I do. Just yeah. like at a cafe, you guys will just meet up. Yeah. Or we'll go to my flat or we'll go to a cafe and we'll just sit with our laptops and do a couple of hours work and then maybe wander down the street, take some pictures, just try and help each other mm-hmm. because we all feel like that. And moving away from nine to five and, and going self-employed has made me realize that we're not supposed to work nine to five five days a week that's not how our brains function so it's been such a rewarding experience going self-employed and learning that our brains work differently to that and allowing not guilt tripping myself if one day I'm having a non-creative day where all I want to do is slump on my sofa and watch Casey Neistat videos Mm -hmm. that's okay and that will probably be really inspiring and spur me on further and I think it's important for other hashtag content creators (laughs) out there listening to realize that we all go through it because I think sometimes when you're kind of feel alone in a silo and you're like does anyone else feel like I feel yes (laughs) the answer is yes 100% And I live by myself, so I'm prone to feeling like that because I spend quite a lot of time by myself. And that's why going to my yoga studio, and I know you were saying earlier that when you were in New York, your yoga studio was like your community. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about doing those things, even if it's going to the local news agents and just saying hi to the person who works there, making sure I communicate and not digitally Mm. like if I'm having a non-inspiring day actually being on social media because often on those days I'll be feeling anxious Um, I suffer with anxiety I talk about that rather a lot online (laughs) and uh, on those days I will try and refrain from using social media often I'll just delete Instagram altogether because for me that's not conducive for productivity and higher Mm self-esteem how do you venetia keep it quirky how do i keep it quirky this is something that i'm still working on but i am just trying to let go more and say yes to more things i started my improvisational comedy course which i mentioned in that episode i'm six weeks in and it's really helping me let go how Amazing. I live in, I I have a lot of, I say some mean things about London because I've been here for rather a long time and it goes against, I I love nature and I love being by the coast and being with animals and London is obviously very urban so I don't get to do those things. But, oh my God, if you want to do something really random, it gives you 30 options. (laughs) There's so much going on here. So I wanted to do an improvisational comedy course and the world is my oyster. And I'm six weeks in and I'm loving it and it's helping me let go. And I guess that's how I'm keeping it quirky. I'm doing improvisational comedy and it's helping me let go. And then apart from that, I try and make people laugh and I try and spread a happy vibe and if I feel like wearing a Hawaiian print jumpsuit one day I'm gonna wear the Hawaiian print jumpsuit that's a superficial level but yeah it's something I'm constantly working on my whole thing is just let go and that's what I'm working on at the moment and so far so good Venetia are you ready for your quick fire round yes I'm so excited TRX or yoga yoga licorice tea or turmeric milk latte fuck (laughs) turmeric milk latte 
coconut milk, almond milk, or oat milk. Oat milk. <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. <laughs> Breakfast at lunchtime. Whoa, that was a fun twist. <laughs> Porridge or avocado toast? Porridge. Chocolate or nut butter? Cho- chocolate. That was a brief quick fire round, but you you did it. You did it really well. I loved it. <laughs> okay, this is another one I'm taking from Talking Taste Buds. What are your three kitchen essentials? Oh, oats, plant milk, oatly barista, preferably, and baby spinach. I like that. So random. <laughs> Venetia Falconer, thank you so much for being on Keep It Quirky. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so bizarre being on the other side of the microphone, but I loved it. <laughs> you can find Venetia on her podcast, Talking Taste Buds, and her YouTube channel and Instagram at Venetia Falconer. Thanks again, Venetia, for so candidly telling us about some of the twists and turns in your food journey. And I also keep thinking back on the bit about how to get unstuck, not being too hard on yourself and relying on other creators around you. I feel like being open about this stuff, the struggles of being a creative entrepreneur, as well as the strategies to combat those challenges, in addition to the Instagram-worthy moments of achievement, of course, um, help us debunk the myth of success. Instagram stories are not the whole picture, people. All right, hit me up with comments or suggestions of who I should have on the pod at QKD on Instagram and Twitter. And I want to give a shout out to Better Almond butter. Thank you for sponsoring quite a handful of episodes. I really appreciate it. And also, I really love your product. It's absolutely delicious. And I love what you stand for. So thank you so much. This has been a very easy product to rave about on the pod. So Better Almond Butter is a company that makes a sprouted, unpasteurized almond butter. But there is more to the story than just a great product. The founder, Jordan Gaddy, is a proud idealist and says he is committed to being a progressive food company that prioritizes sustainability, quality, and transparency over everything else. To try Better Almond Butter today, head to betteralmondbutter.com and use the promo code KEEPITQUIRKY. All of their shipping materials are 100% biodegradable. Thanks as always to my madly talented musician brother, Brian Quinn, for the dope theme song that you hear. And until next week, don't forget to keep it quirky. (laughs) 